Hi, welcome to the Fast Life with Diabetes podcast. My name is Lucy Fisher. On this podcast, we'll discuss everything related to intermittent fasting and type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We'll share tips and tricks, and we'll reveal some of the challenges that we've all faced as we go through this journey. We'll also have some fascinating guests that will share their stories. Thanks so much for joining. It's going to be a great show. Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. Hi, thanks for joining today. We have on a very interesting guest. His name is Brett Cox, and he is a fellow type 1 diabetic. And he interestingly came to fasting not for the weight loss, but for the health benefits. And he's someone that does more extended fasting, so we'll get into that with him. And I'm really interested in hearing his approach to fasting and some of the health benefits that he's been able to realize along the way. Brett also has a Facebook group, which I recommend that you take a look at. It's called Fasting with Type 1 Diabetes. And there's a lot of support on that Facebook group for people with diabetes that want to fast, both intermittent fasting and extended fasting. There's a lot of good information on that group and I highly recommend that you take a look at it. So thanks for joining. Hi Brett. Hey, how are you Lucy? Great, nice to have you here. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. I'm really excited to speak to you. My pleasure, I'm just as excited. Great, so before we get started, do you wanna just give us a quick intro as to who you are and just a little bit about you? Sure. Well, my name's Brett. I'm 35 years old. I am a type 1 diabetic. I was diagnosed when I was, I believe, 17, junior or senior in high school. Um, And since then, well, not since then, but I'd say for maybe the past seven years or so, I've been on kind of a health journey, more on the natural health side, and just trying to improve my health in general. And I learned so much. Um, I kind of seven years ago, I had an awakening and then I learned a lot from that and I kept learning and then everything I learned, I, I, I tried in my life and I've made incredible gains. I've healed from um, a number of things and had had some incredible stuff happen and I'm still still learning and improving. So we can talk about that later. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing about that. So when you, well, wait, before we, we get started on that, maybe just as a baseline, what are you doing to manage your diabetes? What kind of insulin are you on? Or do you have a CGM or how are you managing? Yeah, so so right now, and I think it's been the same for maybe the past 10 years of my life, I, I have a CGM, so I have the Dexcom. Um, and other than that, I do, I do shots, I do the pin needles. Uh, or insulin pens with the pin needles. I don't do an insulin pump. I did do that many years ago, and that was great. Uh, it was just, for some reason, the the little plastic inserts, catheters, whatever you call them, that go into your skin, they would really irritate my skin, and it, it would become red and a little bit swollen. It, whether it's an allergic reaction or what, it just, it just didn't. And sometimes the insulin would kind of get blocked because it was swollen there. So it just, it just didn't work for me because of that reason. Otherwise, I think pumps are great. Uh, I found that my personal opinion is that CGMs are more valuable. Knowing your blood sugar um, is the, you know, the beginning, it's the root of everything. So I, 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 I've done really well with shots in in my CGM. Yeah, I I agree with you on the point about CGMs. If, If you told me, you know, you can have, you know, either like a, a better insulin, maybe that, 
you know, is maybe acts five minutes faster, or you can have, you know, continuous glucose information. I'd be like, I want the continuous glucose information, obviously, right. you know, it's I, you know, or pump versus shots. I'd rather give up my pump for shots. If I, if I could keep my CGM, I think that's like the most valuable tool for any of us. So you're giving injections. Uh, what insulin are you using or what combination of insulins are you using? So right now, and uh, I'm kind of in an interesting scenario, and that's a whole nother story in its own. But uh, I'll say this, my top two insulins that I would preferably be taking right now would be Tresceva's, my, lo my, my long-acting insulin, and then Novolog. I've, I found all of the short-acting insulins to be almost the same. So Novolog is the one I've been taking for several years. Um, but currently, I'm not taking Tresceva. I will, I will get back on that shortly. Right now, I'm taking Levomir. It's, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend it. I found a little niche in it right now that's kind of working for me. Is um, I, I take it in the evening, and it's and it's kind of got a um, the curve kind of kind of is up when I'm sleeping, and that was when I was having some higher blood sugars. So it's actually uh, working out some well, but uh, pretty well for me right now. I'm excited to speak to you about that as well, since I've had other people on that are on pumps. So I'd like to hear from you who's on MBI in terms of how your fasting works with that. Because obviously when you have a longer acting insulin, you know, if you're like, with, I'm on a pump. So if my blood sugar starts to go low, I can just turn the, the basal off and just sort of like, especially if I'm doing some sort of longer fast, I don't do extended fast like you do. But if I do even something like 36 or 40 hours or whatever it is, I notice my insulin needs go way, way, way down. And then I can just dial my pump back. But with you, you got to be really conscious of that ahead of time, right? That's exactly right. And it's, you know, it's a lot of learning. So um, basically what I found is just like you said, my, my insulin needs, as far as the long acting insulin go down each day as I go through the fast and then it kind of eventually plateaus. So, um, I've done a couple of case studies where I've, I write down how much I took and I basically my first day I'll cut, cut the insulin, let's say, uh, 20 to 40% as far as my long acting. And then I'll, I'll cut it down again the next day. And then again, the next day. And usually by then it's one of the times I did it, I was doing a longer fast and I was, uh, I think by day four, I was taking no insulin at all. And I stayed for several days without any insulin. So. Yeah, I, I believe that when I start getting into those, you know, I think anywhere for me after like the 24 hour mark, I mean, my insulin, especially if I even just go out on a walk or do something like that, it's just right. like, boom, nothing needed. <laughs> exactly. And then you, you know, for me, I end up riding a little low roller coaster where, you know, you if you have any insulin on board, it just keeps dragging you down, especially with the pump. Mm -hmm. If you have your insulin sensitivities a little too high, it just keeps forcing you down over and over again. So yeah, insulin yeah. becomes more problematic, you know, if you're not like taking it away as you're getting into longer and longer fast. So um, maybe you can just tell us. So, so you, you've been on a health journey for seven years, you said. Uh, when did you discover fasting? Mm. When did I discover fasting? I don't know, actually. That's a really good question, but um, I would love to know that answer myself. How did I learn fasting? But anyway, when I started getting into health and learning about health, before that, I didn't learn anything. I didn't know anything other than take this pill, take the shot, right? It was all outsourced to my doctor as far as what I knew. And then when I started learning, um, I just wanted to learn more and more. And kind of one of my thoughts was, to study cancer and to learn about cancer, because if I can learn how 
cancer works, what works for cancer. I think, you know, I can, it'll work for anything basically. Um, and so I think probably somewhere down that cancer, uh, looking into cancer and learning about that and the treatments for that, natural treatments for that was when I found cancer and just was blown away. Um, and I basically came to the came to the understanding for myself that it's the absolute most, most powerful medical treatment you can do um, for the human body. It's because um, the human body is actually what heals. It's not any pills or anything like that. And fasting is basically getting out of the way of uh, the body's ability to heal and allowing it to do its job 110%. And uh, the stories, you can look up as many stories about people that have fasted from different conditions. And it's just, it's phenomenal. It's, it's incredible. As far as people healing from cancer, people getting, you know, reversing type 2 diabetes, um, and, and the list goes on. Yeah, you're sort of a, you know, an interesting case. I think a lot of people come to fasting for weight loss, or that's at least one of the reasons why. And I think a lot of type 2s and also a lot of type 1s like myself come for weight loss, but you know, you've told me previously that you didn't really have any weight to lose. It was really more a health journey than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So I've never done, I've, I've never been a big guy. I've never had any weight to lose. So I've, it's never been a, a goal of mine to pursue it for that reason. Um, certainly you do lose weight. And I think that's, um, you know, in our, in, in the Facebook group, fasting with type one diabetes, I think there are a large number of people that come into it for that reason. Um, and of course, um, you're going to lose weight if you're fasting. Absolutely. So it's, it's just kind of like an, a miraculous thing that just does everything. There's almost, I don't know what element in the body that you could have where fasting would not improve. Yes. I, yeah, I agree. Have you heard, have you read any of Dr. Jason Fung's work? The obesity yeah, code or the diabetes code? Is that where you kind of put that part, those, those elements together? I came into fasting a little bit before that, and it's and it's been interesting because when Dr. Fung started getting uh, more noticeable and his book came out, uh, The Guide to Fasting, I think I have that book also. I mean, it, fasting kind of like burst onto the scene almost in the mainstream, and especially with intermittent fasting and then type 2 diabetics and stuff. So he really has taken fasting and put it in front of people's eyes that um, other other before that, it was kind of like some hidden dark, dark thing that not many people knew about or thought about. Yeah. And so when we were going back and forth with questions, you said that you don't really practice intermittent fasting. You do more extended fast. Is that right? Maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you fast personally. Yeah, I, I do do intermittent fasting, but it's, it's, uh, not, not the number one thing in my mind, just because I came into extended fasting and then, and my, what I understood behind that was basically the longer you fast, the deeper your healing goes. Um, and so I'm kind of like an all or nothing guy. I'm an extreme guy. So if I want to do something, I want to do it 110%. And I'm also a perfectionist too, in a negative way. So uh, when I first started fasting and stuff, I was trying to do it perfect. And then of course, everybody knows fasting with diabetes is, it, it's another level of difficulty. It's very difficult. So Doing it perfect is almost impossible. You got to mess up, learn, mess up, learn, and uh, keep trying and keep trying. And then finally overcame that with learning that uh, it's about progress and it's about improvement, not, not perfection. Um, but yeah, extended fasting is something that I got into uh, several years ago, and it was very difficult at the beginning because I'd never even fasted a single meal 
And that's probably the case of a lot of us Americans, right? Um, haven't even fasted a meal, much less a day or two days or three days. And so I did warm up to it slowly. I did several, I did a one day fast. And then I think I did, did I think I did three or four one day fasts. And then before I tried to jump to two days and then to three days and then four days. And um, the longest fast I've ever done has been seven days. Oh, wow. And, uh, did have a big, big hiccup on one of those. So we, we can talk about that later if you like on the day four fast. Yeah, I actually, I want to, well, I want to circle back to something you said, which is you can't, it's hard to do anything perfectly with diabetes. And so I feel bad. I'm a perfectionist too. And diabetes, it's one of the things I hate most about diabetes is you really can't do anything perfectly. Every time you have any kind of intention, oh, I'm just going to go out for a walk. Then you end up with a low blood sugar and then you got to sit down or eat something. You know, it's just like you can, Every single time you want to do something, you get sabotaged in some way. So being a perfectionist plus being a diabetic is like no fun. But anyway, that right. aside, <laughs> so tell me what you've sort of learned along the way. And I want to hear about how any kind of troubles you've had in your fast and how you've sort of tweaked it so that when you try to do these things again, you end up with a little, it's a little smoother for you. Yeah, my my number one trouble, and it's still my number one trouble with, with fasting is electrolytes. It's becoming... Um, keeping electrolytes up, you know, and that's, and that's not just for diabetics, but for everybody across the board, something you got to address <clears throat> and trying to do that perfectly and in a natural way is, you know, has cost me because there's, I think there's some simple solutions. Some people take Pedialyte, for example, or other, um, you know, the, the common one, if you want to go all natural is to do Himalayan salt, which I have tried. And it just seems like it hasn't been enough. It still hasn't met my my full need for electrolytes. So I've struggled during my fast with, uh, you know, dizziness or um, just so, feeling really weak and not good due to the electrolytes. So it's not a blood sugar issue. So you check your blood sugar and you're like, it's not that you have right. a low. It's just that you, you know, something else is off and that's how you know you need electrolytes. I guess I never put two and two together because sometimes... Like you said, if you're in a fast and you don't feel great, but your blood sugar looks fine, you're like, what's the problem here? You know, but that might be yeah. good. Yeah, my blood sugars would be fine, but, you know, standing up, for example, and then you feel lightheaded and dizzy, or you're just, you know, I'm just not all there. I just don't feel good. I feel really weak. Um, I don't know. There, there's other symptoms that I feel, and I know my electrolytes are low. I can't put them all together, but that's still a thing, and I've asked it in... Uh, different other people that are that are fasting, you know, what are their solutions for electrolytes? So I'm always curious to hear what what people do for that. So once you get your so at what point in your fast do you notice that your electrolytes are maybe getting a little low? Is it after a certain number of hours or it's just depends on the fast and the circumstances? Yeah, it depends, but I, I feel it pretty quickly. I could feel it as early as in the first day. Um or even usually by day two or day three, day two or day three, day, days two and three are usually the hardest anyway. Um, of a seven day fast or something longer, days two and three are the hardest for you? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So that's when your electrolytes might be low. And then do you have, do you have any issues with, <laughs> do you have low blood sugars at all or when in, during those I fasts? Have. Yeah, I have. Um, I, I remember your question. So one of the things, one of the things that I've done that has helped me the most is again, getting off the, getting off forgetting about being perfect. It's not going to be perfect, especially your first, second, or third time doing extended fast with, with type one diabetes. Um, 
So what do you do? And how, how is your mind going to accept it when your blood sugar gets low and you're trying to do, let's say a three day fast and you're trying to do it perfectly and your blood sugar is now getting low. Uh, and you know, you begin to think, Oh, I'm going to break my fast. I'm a tropic. What is the, uh, what's the word? Uh, autophagy? Dr. Funk. Yeah. Autophagy. Yeah. Autophagy is done. It's out the window, you know? Um, and people, people kind of freak out, but you got to do what you got to do. You know, if your blood sugar is getting low and you need to take a couple drinks of orange juice, you're going to need to drink a whole cup of orange juice. You got to do what you got to do. There's still a lot of benefits. So that's, it's one of the things that I, that I really want to communicate to a lot to people lately is it's not an all or nothing thing. I mean, if you, people do juice fast, for example, and they get incredible health benefits and they're drinking carbs, they're drinking sugar, you know, from the fruits. And so it's not an all or nothing, nothing thing. If you have some type of carbs that are going into you, you know, especially with as type one diabetics, we got to do the best we can. So I love uh, that message. The, that's, that's great. Yeah. Keep going. I'm sorry. One of the things I've, I've just learned is to get, get off of the perfect mindset. We're, we're about, what is my goal? Is my goal to do a perfect fast or is my goal to get healthier? My goal is to get healthier. If I drink a couple sips of orange juice a day to avoid a low blood sugar and keep, <clears throat> and keep, let's say my fast going, even though other people would say, no, you didn't, you broke your fast. I'm, I got healthier doing that, during that time span. And I'm very happy about that. So another thing that I've learned that's very helpful is to keep a log of all your, all your data. You know, so I started my fast, let's say at 8, 8 p.m. tonight. I took, you know, my my traditional, uh, let's say, 12 units of long acting insulin. Or maybe first off, you shouldn't you should you should lower that number a little bit. But the question is, how much, you know, should I lower it to 10? Should I lower it to eight? <clears throat> and you want to track those numbers and track your blood sugars. And so, you know, oh, this time. I started with 10 units of insulin and I got low. The next time I'm going to try eight and see what that does for me. And so it's a continual like evaluating. You're, you're, you're being a scientist, you're being an analyst and uh, just learning as you go with watching your numbers. Yeah, I think that's a, a really important message. And I, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast or maybe I've said it in an episode that hasn't aired yet, but I think when I fast and I'm a one meal a day, sometimes I do alternate day fasting but I would say I only make it through and I, most of my fasts are like 21, 22 hours. That's like the standard for me. And then sometimes I do longer, but not usually I would say in a week, maybe I get three or four days where I can fast without needing to eat something for a low. And then the other days I eat something and you know what? I don't beat myself up over it. Just like you're not, because we can't, you know, otherwise what are we going to do? We'll never be able to get through a fast. It just will never happen. So and we'll always be sad and we'll always, oh, I didn't do it, you know? It's, and then it comes, becomes demoralizing. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. So you, you've learned over time, you've tapered, you, you know, I guess if you're doing, you you probably have log books for, I'm going to do a two day fast. This is how much insulin I need. I'm going to do a three day. This is like, do you, do you kind of look at it that way or, or how, what do you, how are you thinking about it? Well, it depends. So when I first started doing fasting, I was overseas. I was a missionary overseas and my, my lifestyle was very different. I was walking, didn't have a vehicle, walking everywhere, eating 
very healthily. Um, now I'm back in America, back in Texas. I'm not eating as healthy as I was overseas. I'm not getting the exercise that I was. So um, there was there was times when I was taking no insulin on an extended fast and still my blood sugars are getting low because I'm you know walking many miles a day. And then now um, I haven't done a lot an extended fast since I've come back to the States more than more than a few days. And so I'm curious what would happen there, but I'm thinking I probably would need even to take a couple units of insulin, even on day four, five, six, I'm guessing, cause I'm just riding in a car and, uh, that, that, that really changes the game. So you would take just Traceba in this case, you wouldn't take any short acting, right? Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Or not Traceba. Unless I needed yeah. to. Unless I, yeah, unless I needed to, you know, if it starts going up, then, you know, I could take one unit of insulin and watch it as it goes. Right, right. Where were you, where were you doing missionary work? Uh, I won't say the country, but I'll say it, it, it's close in the Turkey region. Ah, okay. I love it I wasn't over there. in Turkey, but I was somewhere over there. Yep. Nice. Very nice. So you're back in the United States. Obviously your diet has probably shifted from then to, to here. So what, and I, and I was, and we'll talk a little bit more about your Facebook group in a little while. Cause I definitely want to hit on that, but I saw at some point, maybe you were a raw vegan. What are you doing now for, for diet? Yeah. So I'll, I'll go back just a little bit. When I was overseas, I was my own doctor. Um, essentially I didn't have a doctor. I was in a country where you can get insulin in any prescription or any medicine without a prescription. And so instead I was using my money to go to the labs and I would do a bunch of blood work. And, um, on top of type one diabetes, I had Hashimoto's disease. So I was, was always researching, learning, checking my numbers, trying to do this. How can I reverse uh, my Hashimoto's by actually I'm clinically, I don't have Hashimoto's anymore based on the numbers and everything. And that was really, um, all learning and testing on my own, um, stuff that I, that I learned and then just tried, you know, I just, my, my mind would spit out ideas such as what if, you know, if my Hashimoto's the number one thing for me is my antibody level. And they were at, let's say 880 was pretty much what I was at most of the time. I cleaned up my diet and I got those down to like in, in the 200. So I've already like, it's a 4X improvement of my antibodies, which is huge. What if I then go a step further and do raw vegan, you know, cause I, I follow different people that, you know, eat raw fruits and vegetables and they're the healthiest people I know. So let's try it. And actually for some reason, I was very surprised. I didn't see any improvement in, in my, uh, my thyroid, my antibody thyroid numbers after being uh, raw vegan for, I guess it was only a week. So maybe I should have done it longer, but I didn't see an improvement there. So that's, that's kind of the story behind that. As far as where I am today, I'm not in a, as great of a place coming back to Texas, living close to my grandparents who, or my parents uh, who, who live very close and we see often and are always cooking cakes, pies, um, <laughs> barbecue, everything else. We, You're back to your American diet. I've I've definitely taken a step back as far as uh, health and diet, and and diet was the number one thing that brought all the changes to me. So, it, yeah, I mean, I I think with fasting for me at least, and I don't know if you've experienced this at all, it helps me with my cravings, and it, it, it I actually feel like I prefer healthier foods now now that I fast versus previously. Have you have you noticed that at all, or? 
Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's it's kind of like habits, right? Your taste buds have habits. Your body has habits. Once you start to change those habits, they, <clears throat> they begin to take place. So now I've switched my habits to the to the bad side and now my body craves the bad stuff and I and I have to switch that back again. But a lot of my a lot of my health gains have, have stayed with me surprisingly. Yeah, actually can we speak about some of those? So you I don't know if you're uh you know, you sound like you're somebody that's very on top of your health and you're very data driven. So before and I I assume that, you know, as you've made changes to your diet and you're doing fasting and maybe you're doing some other stuff as well. Have you seen any improvements in your A1C over time? So the A1C, I've never really, I lost interest in many years ago because the A1C is, you know, you correct, you correct me if I'm wrong. It's basically an average of the, the past 90 days of your blood sugars, right? Right, right. Yep. But with the CGM, I have my blood sugars of every five minutes of my life. So to me, that that kind of over overcame what I was, or overshadowed my, my A1C and I became became more interested in that. So people would always ask me, usually doctors, you know, what was your last A1C? I'm like, I, I really have no, no idea. No idea, yeah. But do you have a, a certain range that you like to keep your blood sugars in that makes you comfortable? I try to stay right at around 100 is my, to me is perfect. Um, I keep a wide range, 70 to 150 is ideal, but I try to be around, right around 100. But I have a list um, of different things. There was one day, there's maybe several years, maybe four or five years after I started my health journey, I was like, you know what? There's so many things I've healed from. And I started writing them down as much as I could remember because I had many more things, but things I probably can't remember anymore. And every now and then something would pop in. Oh yeah, I used to have these red, like pimple things looking like on my leg. And I don't have those anymore. You know, things would just pop up in my head and I started making a list. And I have a list of things that I've essentially quote unquote, I guess you could say healed from uh, since then, basically based on diet changes. Yeah, actually I have, you know, quite a few of those non-scale victories, if you want to call them that. Um, I used to have, and I, it was right before I started fasting. I went to the dermatologist for many, many years. I had, it was called, I think it's called like diabetic dermatitis or something like that, where you scratch the bottom of your legs. I mean, and they were it was so much scratching and it was so hideous that like I couldn't wear shorts in the summer. Like, it was so bad. And then once I started fasting, I stopped scratching. My legs are like totally clear now, um, which is, I never thought that would happen. So right. I, I'm surprised. It's amazing. I'm, yeah. So you, you've had some, you've had some improvements in your skin. You cured your Hashimoto's anything else that's worth mentioning mentioning. Yeah. I, I pulled up that list. So I'll just kind of go down the list. And again, I think there's more. There's just things I don't remember from back in the day. Um, dandruff. I used to have dandruff consistently. I don't have that anymore. Eczema. I had that, you know, always. S certain spots, especially on my arms, haven't had that. Hashimoto's, that's supposed to be incurable. I don't, you know, I think that's that's almost up there with type 1 diabetes as far as you got to take your synthroid for the, your levothyroxine, whatever you want to call it for the rest of your life. And that's that. And I think that yeah, that's a whole nother topic, but I think it's ridiculous. It just, it tells you there's nothing you can do. Don't even try, take a pill. I think that's awful. Let's try. I want, you know, and I would tell, I remember telling a doctor the other day, why would I accept that? I want to improve my health. I'm going to try something. 
And I think that's a, a great message for everyone is this is your health. It's not your doctor's health. It's not anyone else's health. Don't be afraid to try something. I mean, do it, do it with wisdom and, and learn and, and monitor and take care of yourself, but try something. We all have the right to health. We all have the right to try to improve our own life and our health. And uh, just taking pills for the rest of our life is not going to make us healthier. It might alleviate some symptoms or something or manage it. But if you want to go forward with your health, don't be afraid to try something. Anyway, some other things I've, <laughs> I've healed from are, are my eyes. I don't wear glasses anymore. I don't wear contacts. Uh, wow. My eyes are 2020. Um, toenail fungus. I had a toenail fungus on one of my toes for as long as I could remember. Nothing I tried ever changed that, ever. I mean, I tried everything. It was just, and that eventually I just noticed it one day. Oh my gosh, I got a healthy toenail there. It's not there. I, you know, amazing. Brain fog. Um, so brain, I didn't realize this, but you know, I was a software developer for eight years and it would, God, I was a zombie during that time. I was, I was literally a zombie and I didn't realize it. I knew I was tired. I knew that, you know, my brain wasn't what it used to be, even though I was still great at what I did, but it would take me like four or five hours into the day before I'm finally alive and active and able to grind something out. Um, you know, brain fog is gone. It's uh, that, and I, until I became awake again and, and a live energetic human being, I, I, I never realized I was a zombie and I had this brain fog. Um, I had an inability to wake up. I can wake up every day now. Before it was, couldn't wake up, you know, couldn't wake up. Always late. Um, constipation, that was another thing that I had. That's, don't have that anymore. Bloating, something I had constantly all the time. Don't have that anymore unless I'm eating bad here in Texas again, which <laughs> has happened. Uh, acne. I had acne. You know, people would always, I had acne as a teenager and they said, well, it's just a teenager thing. You're going to grow grow out of it. You know, and then I'm you know, 20 years old, didn't grow out at 25, didn't grow out of it. Um, still had pimples, you know, started eating right, started making health changes. I didn't have acne anymore. I didn't have pimples anymore. Um, I had a many years ago, just before my health journey, I dropped something really heavy on a foot and my, my toe, I don't, I can't remember exactly, but I don't think my toe was broken, but anyway, I lost the toenail on that toe and that toe was swollen and it's, and it swelled up the whole foot oh. and, got, and it, and then the swelling never really decreased. So it was at a point many months later, I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, this shoe is super tight. That shoe's not. I'm going to have to get two different size shoes. I don't want to do that. And then I kind of had my health awakening. I started making dietary changes. And what do you know? That swollen foot that seemed like it was going to be swollen forever, it was not swollen anymore. Now it's the, back, now it's the same size. Okay. I used to have, and then the last thing on my list that I have is my, I used to have a horrible short-term memory, even as a teenager really really bad and well, my mom does too so she would always say oh you got it from me but I was like it just can't be it I'm a teenager I'm a young guy you know um, I've got my short-term memory back so you know and if all of those are true there's just there's got to be more things I'm just not cognizant of because that was so many years ago I can't remember all the things that I was battling without realizing it because that was normal life for me then right 
So it's just, it's kind of incredible. And I know if, if I, if I push even forward, I can add to this list. Well, yeah. And actually I think what's going to happen to you is since you've been, you've had diabetes since you were 17, you've been on this health journey for seven years, what you're, you don't see, which is not on your list. Cause it's not going to even happen to you is a lot of complications with diabetes. Right. You know, I've had quite a few and I wish that I had had, you know, I had discovered fasting and I wish that my diet maybe had been a little better. Not that it was ever horrible necessarily, not any worse than probably anybody else's, but it, you know, it was a standard American diet. And I've had quite a few complications over the years and hopefully you can avoid them. And you're reversing a lot of the things that have already happened to you, which is incredible. I, I think I've been lucky because for, you know, for many years I was just doing the normal thing, but I, I haven't had any complications yet. So as far as I know, knock on wood. Yeah, they started stacking up for me maybe about five years ago. I'm 41 now. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where once you get one, they all just start coming very rapidly thereafter. You're like, Oh, I'm doing right. well, I'm doing well. And then all of a sudden they just blow up on you. And that's one of the reasons why I, I myself have been trying to get healthier is because I don't want to keep going in this direction. I want to <laughs> avoid as many complications in the future as I possibly can. But, um, and so with, in terms of, I, I have questions about the brain fog and the short-term memory is that, do you think that's part of you know, whether it's diet or what do you think it's fasting related? What do you, what do you think caused the improvement in the brain fog and the, and the short-term memory? Is that purely fasting? No. So to be honest with all the, all the successes, I would, I would give most of it to dieting and then the fasting would just be like the, the bonus, the icing on the cake. Um, I think most, yeah, there were, when I first started, when I first started making health changes, I cut out, I think three things, milk, bread. Um, I want to say there was one more, but I basically stopped eating bread, stopped drinking milk, eating cereal. And I started eating fruits and vegetables. And it, it was amazing. God, God, God helped me with this. Cause right when I kind of woke up was the same time that I, had a roommate that that was that moved in and was already on that and already knew all the things that I was learning and I had no idea. So he's cooking healthy meals and he's, you know, the picture of health. And so I got to learn from him as I'm doing it. And, and it was amazing. So just doing that, I remember there was an, another story where something clicked and I saw like a before and after picture of my life. So I was living in, the, I was living in the house. I was living in San Antonio, Texas, and I had a dog. And this was during my zombie state before my health journey. And sometimes I'd be like, oh, I just, I need to go to the park. I need to go just run, jog, do something. My dog always wants to go run and have fun. We'll go throw the ball or something and I'll, and I'll jog. All I got to do is walk across the street, take the dog and I'm over at the park. Well, almost every time I would open my door, start to walk out and I would, maybe make it to the park, maybe not. And I would just feel no energy. I wouldn't run. I wouldn't do anything. And I would come back home sad and depressed. And and then, and you beat yourself up too. You feel like, oh, I'm lazy. I, I didn't do any exercise. But, you know, looking back, it wasn't that I was lazy. It wasn't, I literally had no energy. You know, what I was feeling was, was that. And so it kind of becomes a, a vicious cycle. I would walk out my door to go exercise and come back without exercising. You know, there was times I went to the gym and I would go in the gym and then 
walk right back out or maybe do just a little bit, no energy again, um, and then feel bad and beat myself up for it. And then fast forward after I'm into my health journey just a little bit, changing my foods, eliminating some and then adding fruits and vegetables, um, drinking only milk, uh, drinking only water, sorry. Um, that was, that was the third change I was trying to think of. Okay. Switch to only water. Um, and I remember one day I walked out of, walked out of my door, door again with my dog planning to go to the, to, to go to the park. And, and the goal is always walk to the park with my dog and then unleash my dog. And we run and we like to play chase and have fun. And so we're going to do that instead of walking out of walking out to the park I walked out the door and I started running to the park and I was just like oh my gosh I got all this energy like night and day difference and then I ran to the park me and her and my dog we played in the park running around and just having a having a blast the difference was I felt I had 10 times more energy um and I remember other times I would drive home from work five o'clock in my zombie state and I'm God's just watching over me and I'm not crashing because I'm falling asleep when I'm driving. Uh, and then I remember one day I'm on the same overpass and I'm always falling asleep on literally. And I got the music playing and I'm like singing. I'm having the time of my life, listening to music in my life, like the opposite of falling asleep. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea how bad I was and what I could be, you know, um, it just, it, that it, that low level of energy was just it become normal. I didn't even know. Yeah. I think it's especially bad when you have diabetes, because if you're eating all of the quote unquote wrong foods or foods that cause your blood sugars to behave erratically, the roller, nothing wears me out more than the roller coaster. I mean, you just feel like yes. you ran like back to back marathons. Like you're just dead to the world. Yes. So you probably had a little bit of that going on too. I imagine. Yeah, exactly. So there's there's another popular diabetes book. It's not it's an old school book. I think it's called The Diabetes Solution. By yeah, Doctor Bernstein. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I have this book. I haven't read a page of it, but I I think I know one of the core principles in the book. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. Is small numbers, small problems. Small numbers are easier to manage. Big numbers, big problems, more difficult to manage. So. That's one of that's one of the kind of side benefits that actually is a huge benefit when you're eating better, you know, instead of all the processed sugary foods, high carb foods, um, you're dealing with smaller numbers. So your swings, your roller coaster rides are a lot smaller and that feeds back into your energy and your overall health uh, on top of you're just eating more nutritious food and less toxic food. So um, those are some things that helped when I when I changed my diet. Actually, that's one of the reasons I like fasting so much is, yeah, he talks about the law of small numbers, just like you said, you know, less, less carbs, less food, less insulin, you know, fewer problems. And I just feel like when you're in a fasted state, you're taking food entirely out of the equation. So then you're just dealing mm-hmm. with a small amount of insulin. And even if you go low, let's say you just take a, you know, small amount of sugar and you're back to normal, you know, and even if you do end up on the roller coaster, cause maybe you took a little bit too much carb to treat it. It's not like, the roller coaster you get after eating a half a pizza or something like that. It's totally different. You know, you could just bring it down and let it come down smoothly instead of the fat rise afterward and the, you know, delayed carbs and just like the whole nightmare that ensues with a roller coaster. So I, I, yeah, I think that's a really smart way to look at it. So let's go back to fasting for a little bit. Cause I want to um, talk about your Facebook group, which is, which mm-hmm. I was recently introduced to it's fasting with type one diabetes. 
So you created that. And I'm so thankful that you did because there's really nothing else out there for type ones at fast. And as you and I were speaking about before we, we started recording, you know, whenever you're in a regular fasting Facebook group and you say, Hey, anybody on here have type one? Like, how did you manage your, your insulin? The admin will take it down. Cause you know, you, they don't want it to be construed as medical advice and there's just really no community. So thank you for creating that. What was, what was sort of the impetus to, to get that started? Well, yeah. And I understand all that. I'm, I'm a very unpolitically correct person. So I really don't care about all that, all that stuff and what's politically correct and what, what's going to get in trouble or not. You know, it's, this is purely to help people. You know, if something helped me, I, I know it can help other people. Um, and I believe in it like a, a million and 10% what fasting can do for everyone and how this is the black sheep for people with diabetes, especially type one diabetes. I mean, oh my gosh, it's, it's just incredible. We talk about, you know, the big numbers and how you have bigger roller coasters and bigger problems. And then there's all these variables that go into the roller coasters that go into low blood sugars, high blood sugars. And you take one of those big variables away being food when you're fasting. So the whole thing that your doctor always tells you, or people always tell you out of fear and ignorance is that it's dangerous to fast. You're, what about your blood sugars? You, you might get a low blood sugar. It's, it's such, it's so backwards in, in my experience. And it's, it's so obvious too, once you do it, I believe when you're eating a lot of food and taking a lot of insulin, and your numbers are dropping and you're on the downslope of that roller coaster, how, what are your numbers dropping by? I mean, they might be dropping by 15 points every five minutes or, or more. What, what are your numbers dropping by when they're going down on a fast? I mean, if you look at some of my graphs from my fast, we're talking about I was at 80 at noon and then I was at 78 at 7 p.m. It took seven hours for it to go down two points. Uh, so your numbers are going down so much slower, which is so less dangerous and so much easier to manage. So you come off, come up, come out of the roller coaster when you go on a fast, to be quite honest with you, especially, especially as you move later into your fast and you've got more experience on it that, I mean, it's, it's a total opposite. It's the ultimate control of your blood sugar when you're fasting. It's because you're dealing with no food and a, and a tighter control, smaller numbers. That's so. a, actually a really, really good point. When I'm fasting, especially when I'm well into my fast, any lows I have are like very slow moving lows. They're not the double arrows down on the Dexcom and you just, you're just right. falling off a cliff and you've got all this insulin on board from your last meal and it's like a real emergency it's those real steady slow you can see them coming from miles and miles away right. kind of low you're just really drifting and you're like all right i have a little too much insulin i can't really do anything because the insulin's already in my body i gotta take a little bit of carb to bring it back mm -hmm. up and then i should be golden that's yeah i mean i love that's, that that's extreme control it's extreme safety um i mean the only way it would be dangerous is in the same way it would be dangerous as if you were not fasting as if you just accidentally took a whole bunch of insulin and didn't realize it. And, um, you had nothing to back it up, um, no food or anything, but I mean, I don't know. It's like, what's easier to control well, one dog or 15 dogs. And it's kind of like, if you're fasting, you got one dog to watch after and you're not, you got 15 dogs. I don't know. It's, 
that's been my experience. And, and I, I had a YouTube channel and it, it never, I made a few videos during a fast that I was doing. And one of, I think in one of those videos, I held up my Dexcom graph. And I think I showed one like a normal day when I'm eating and taking insulin, even eating healthy. And you can see like the roller coasters, you know, even if you're tightly controlled and you're eating, you're still not going to have a flat line. But then you look at my fasting numbers and it was a flat line. I mean, it's, it's just incredible. And that, I, I don't know people, how that fits with, oh, it's dangerous. It's to me, it's been the exact opposite of dangerous. It's, it's the safest thing. Like you said, you can see a low coming miles away and you got, you know, tons of time to correct it and do something about it. Whereas if you're on a roller coaster, you, you could drink some orange juice right now and it still might go low because it's just moving too fast. So. Right. Yeah. And I think if, if you have a doctor that's giving you a lot of objections, you know, my, my doctor, she doesn't object to it. She doesn't really have an opinion on it. doesn't seem I've told her about it. She doesn't, she didn't tell me to stop or anything. She said, your blood sugars look great. Like keep doing what you're doing. I don't think she would ever necessarily, uh, maybe I'm speaking for her. I don't know that she would recommend it necessarily to her patients as a treatment plan, but she certainly hasn't gotten in my way or anything like that. But if I did have an endo that got in my way, I guess I would think about two things. Number one, maybe I just wouldn't say anything about it. And just right. do my own do my own thing because like like you said like your health is your responsibility and at most you spend 15 minutes with your endo every quarter if you're lucky right if you have good insurance it'll pay for it or second if your endo brings objections like oh well but if you get a low blood sugar you'll say I'll treat it just like I treat every other low blood sugar that I get you know it, fasting is no different that's right that's right, right. yep and has your speaking yeah, of endos it's just have, off the script. Yeah. Have you uh, talked to your doctor about fasting? No. Uh, well, I think I, I think I did, but I'm pretty much um, off grid as far as, <laughs> as doctors go. I've been off grid for a long time now for, for many years. Um, yeah, I'm kind of a crazy guy in that sense. I, I use doctors primarily just for the scripts to get the prescriptions and the, well, the doc. Yeah. And, and even on top of that, once I started learning, I realized I know more than the doctors and, and I don't say that as an arrogant statement or anything, but that was just the reality. Unless you're lucky, I think to have, and I think this goes for all diabetics, um, that if you have diabetes personally, you already know more than your doctor does in a lot of senses, you know, and there, I know there's people that have uh, doctors or nurses that they work with that are type one diabetic themselves. And I think, wow, that's incredible what you have, but you know, my, my primary care physician, he's like, well, I'm not going to tell you anything. I think you already know what you're doing. And, uh, my, my last endocrinologist, I mean, it, he's just typing stuff into a computer and writing his prescription. That's all, it, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's I, pretty I true. I think that's pretty healthcare easy. has become so systematized now and it's so just document driven and the documents are all electronic and everything. And they're just trying to like, see the next one, see the next one, see the next one. I mean, it's, it's kind of going downhill where um, if you got a good one that actually gives you individualized and looks you in the face and looks at your physical body and talks about you rather than just typing on a computer as he's sitting in the office with you, I think you're a lucky person already. So yeah, I've, I've essentially kind of um, taken health into my own hands, um, literally. And uh, I've, you have to, I've yeah. had incredible success doing that. Um, you know, I'm not saying Everyone should do that or anything, but that's my story. And the before and after from that point has been incredible. 
and I, have I had some problems? Yeah, I've had I've had one problem where I ended up in the ER, and you know that was during a, an extended fast. I can tell you that story. Yeah, I'd like to hear that story. What happened? Yeah, so again, it was really electrolyte driven, but it was before I really understood how grave of an issue that could be. So I was I was fasting. I was it was day four. Um, I remember it was day four of the fast and my wife and I were going to pick up my mom from the airport, um, out of city. And so we're driving two hours and I was feeling already like a little bit fuzzy in the head. I could tell my electrolytes were low. I had a cup of Himalayan salt water, but it didn't seem to really uh, do the trick or anything. So anyway, we pick up my mom from the airport. Um, and I'm feeling okay. And then we have some uh, relatives that are also there close to that airport. So we meet them for dinner. They're all eating. I tell them I'm fasting, so I'm not going to eat. But then I start feeling really bad at dinner. And this, this was really bad as far as putting on, putting out a good word for fasting. Cause everyone at that table, but, but my wife was like fasting. No, oh my gosh, that's, you know, I've never done it even for a meal, but it's the worst thing in the world, you know? And so I had a, you know, I was passionate about fasting and I would love to put on a good performance for them, but I started feeling terrible with that dinner. And, um, I knew you, you, you want to break a fast, even, even just four days, you want to break it real slowly. They had nothing that I could have broken it slowly on. The best I could do was a salad. So I ordered a salad. Um, and I ate the salad still didn't really, still didn't really feel any better. Um, we end, we end up the evening, we, we finished the meal and everything. And now we're driving back home about two hours away. Let me interrupt you for one oh. second. How are your blood sugars during this time? Were you trending low or were you okay? They were fine. Yeah. They okay. were perfect. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember exactly what they were, but I, that wasn't one of the issues. Okay. Just feeling really bad. I was, um, anyway, so we start, we get on the road, we're driving back home after the dinner, it's dark. Um, and I'm, I'm really not feeling good. I'm feeling pretty nauseous. Um, and so like, we got to pull over, we got to pull over now and we get off to the access road off of the 75 mile an hour highway. And before I, we could even stop on the side of the road, I have to fling the door open. And I just started, you know, vomiting right there on the side of the road. And then it kind of kicked up a notch. Then I get out of the car and now you know, I'm sorry, this might be a little vulgar, but it is now like exploding out of both ends of my body, like, like a volcanic eruption. And so, and it was, you know, I, I don't want to go into any more details, but that wasn't just your normal vomiting. That wasn't your normal other, other thing. It was really like some toxic, bad stuff was coming out of my body. I can say that for sure. Um, and I think what caused that one was the electrolytes, but two, there's a thing that a lot of people do when they fast, which is enemas, because as you're, especially more extended fasting, like there's fasting clinics around the world, which is something I would love to create one day. And they have them in like tropical places where you can, you know, not just fasting physically, but also mentally stress emotion. And you're in a beautiful, peaceful environment um, away from all your distractions and normal things of life. Um, and I wasn't doing anything like that. And I don't, I don't know if I had any, in, how many bowel movements I had like the days before that, but I think my body was detoxing 
really bad, really some old stuff, toxic stuff, but it wasn't able to get out. And I think, so then it's kind of like, you know, if you're cleaning a house that hasn't been cleaned in many years and you just start dusting it, you're going to start sneezing and, and hacking it up. You can't just go and stir the dust up. You got to suck the dust up and then get it out. Um, and so I think all that stuff got stirred up, but my body was not getting rid of it. It wasn't exiting my body and it was kind of sitting in my body now that it was knocked free. And then my body's dealing with like as, as if I just drank a toxic drink or ate some toxic food and it needs to explode it out of my body as fast as possible and get it out. And then I think also through that is it led to more dehydration and loss of electrolytes. And uh, anyway, it got to a point that later that night after all of that, even all that stuff came out, I, I, I couldn't stop throwing up. Um, and I couldn't hold down water. So then dehydration was really starting to set in. And I knew all I needed was an IV for that would be ideal, right? Because um, every time I, I would even try to take one tiny sip of water and I, it would just make me vomit, you know, and then I'm dry heaving. So they take me to the hospital, take me to the emergency room. My, my wife and my mother are scared for their lives. They think I might be dying. Um, I know. I'm feeling bad and I'm, I can't stop myself from, from vomiting, but I know like if I could just get an IV, but we have to go to the IV and pay thousands of dollars just for an IV. This is what we have. And sure enough, I go to the, go to the hospital. They put an IV in my arm and almost instantly I'm feeling not just normal and good, but I felt like a rock star. I felt like amazing. And one interesting thing about that was, um, on that drive, when we were actually, before I got sick, on that drive, there was a billboard on the side of the highway. And I just noticed like, God, that billboard is far away and I can see it crystal clear. And I asked, and my mom and my uh, wife were in the car and they both don't wear glasses or anything. They got great eyes. I said, can y'all read that? They're like, no. And my mom's like, of course we can't read that. What are you talking about? And here I'm a guy that wore contacts for you know, most of his life. And now I'm not wearing them and I can see things you, you can't even come close to seeing. And it was true. She really couldn't believe it. So then anyway, fast go, go back to when I'm in the hospital and I, I got my ID. Now I'm feeling fine again. I saw they had a like vision, you know, vision board where you can read the letters and see what your vision's like. And I said, Hey, can I do that? And can you give me that vision test to me? I said it to the nurse. He said, yeah, sure. Why not? So I go over there and I check my vision. My vision was 2012. I like eagle vision. You know, it was, wow. it was absolutely incredible. So, and that's what I was seeing on the highway. It was just like crazy. So you're, and that's one of the things with fasting. And I think that's common for most people. When you get into several days into the fast, all of your senses become extremely heightened. And I think that's God given by nature. Um, your, your smell, your taste, your uh your your sight um and i think that if i could guess and i think maybe there's science to back it up i don't know exactly but you know if you think about back when we're not living in an industrialized society when food is all around if you haven't eaten for a few days god turns on your 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 senses and heightens them so you can go find food whether that's to kill an animal or you can smell some dairies that's you know a mile away that you would normally wouldn't have smelled so you can go catch the food. So there's all kinds of like incredible phenomenons that happen 
especially with extended fastings. And some of them um, deal with your brain. I mean, your brain is on like Superman level um, <clears throat> after like day four or so on a fast typically. And uh, <clears throat> that's incredible. I was, a, I, was, I was an English teacher overseas and I would, uh, and, I, and I would tell my students that, of course, no one ever took my advice and, and I never expected them to because they didn't know about fasting either. Um, other than uh, intermittent fasting, which is Muslims do intermittent fasting, Ramadan, that's intermittent fasting, sun up to sundown. But I told him, if you ever want to do great on a test, just do a long, do an extended fast. And after about day three or day four, take your exam, your brain will be as sharp as it's ever been in your life. And you'll do it amazing on the test. And uh, that's true. That's been my experience. And I think that's the experience of a lot of, of, a lot of people. So anyway. that's, a, that's, a, that's a very, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And that's an interesting story. And you said earlier that, you know, as you fast, you learn different things. Was that when you learned the importance of electrolytes when that, ha when that ER visit happened? I assume it hasn't happened since, right? Yeah, no, I haven't had that problem since. I still have the struggles with electrolytes for sure. I, I've never gone to that level, gone to that, uh, you know, had that type of a, a struggle since then. And, uh, so yeah, I'm that's why I'm still asking people. I'm still asking people if they have a great solution, specifically a, a natural one. Um, I don't know. I'm still playing with that, and I try different things when I when I fast. I still would like the pure Himalayan salt with water to work, um, rather than take you know, Pedialyte or whatever it may be. So it may just be one of those yeah. things, like you said, if you're, you know, it, we it may not be even necessarily the most perfect fast, but it's it's still better than nothing. So if you take Pedialyte, right. you take Pedialyte. You know, not the end of the world, as long as it yep. keeps you out of the exactly. ER. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so that was a four-day fast, and that was my longest one at that time. And since then, I've done a, a seven-day fast, and I completed that without any issues. So Good. I'm glad to hear it. So how often do you do these extended fasts? Is it every month, every couple of weeks? How do, how do you do that? I, I don't have any set schedule. I, I really I really want to. I have a goal to to make this a yearly thing, kind of like is like a detox thing to keep our, keep our body and our mind clear, um, especially now. I mean... Geez, being back in America, it's like, you know, when we were overseas, health issues, hearing about people with health issues, you know, can you pray for this person or that person, that type of thing, or this person's in the hospital is very rare. And then being back here, it's like every day, someone else, either it's cancer or it's this or it's that. Um, and, I, and I've just been telling my wife, like, look at where we're going, look at health, you know, in general, especially in America, I think we're the sickest country in the world, maybe in the history of the world. That's my personal opinion, but we're not doing anything about it. We're, you know, we're, we're still doing the same things we did yesterday. You know, we, I think we all as a society have to make some changes. We have to look around like nobody has a family without someone that has cancer or maybe even diabetes or autoimmune diseases or this or that. I mean, we are getting, we are really sick and we're getting sicker by the day and we need to make some changes. And I think one of the things I personally believe that could really, really help would be intermittent fasting. That could take the place of doing, you know, periodic extended fasts. You know, or you could do periodic extended fast, or you could do both and just really take it to the next level or whatever. But I mean, fasting, again, what I've what I've learned in my life is that it's the most powerful thing you can do for your health. So 
I agree. Yeah. Well, that's that's great information. And we're almost up on time here, but maybe you can just, if you have any parting thoughts or any advice for people that are starting out fasting, whether they're doing intermittent fasting or extended fasting, we already talked about the electrolytes, but if there's anything else that you think might be useful information for them. Yeah, well, I think just the, the number one piece of advice I would I would give would be something I said earlier is don't be afraid to try something. Um, really don't be afraid. Remember, your health is your health. If you want to do something, go for it. You know, and I think it goes without saying, do it wise, do your research, do your homework, monitor, but um, don't let anybody stop you. You know, if someone says, hey, you shouldn't do that because that's dangerous. This is my life. And I don't want to just take a pill for the rest of my life and then take 50 milligrams today and 100 milligrams. And then now I'm on a second pill and then I'm on, you know, this and that and that, that that's not the future that I want for my life. I want to try to do something. So I'm going to at least try. And when I started trying, I started having unbelievable success. Great things were happening. And there were, there were, there were times when I first started learning, I, I was reading a lot, learning a lot. I could read medical journals and I was starting to understand those, all the medical lingo and stuff. And it was so amazing. I told my wife after a few years of learning and reading books and studying people and stuff, I was like, I went so deep into it only to realize it's super, super simple. I said, out of all the depths of stuff that I learned, what I realized is that if you just eat the food that we are designed to consume and live the way that we are designed to to live, you're going to be healthy. I mean, at the end, it's it's fruits, it's vegetables, it's clean water, it's sleep, it's de-stressing. You know, I think our bodies were designed to fast. Our bodies were not designed to live around, you know, manufacturing foods. Food is seasonal. And, you know, instead of just, God, you, I was thinking the other day, I was driving down the highway and I'm driving down concrete and I can buy food in one minute. I could have food in my, in my mouth. That doesn't make any sense, you know? So if you're eating natural food, living in natural seasons of life, sleeping, resting your digestion system, which you, which as I've heard consumes the most energy. So you're taking away the majority of your energy consumption and allowing your body to use it into healing instead, which is what you're doing when you're fasting. You can do some powerful stuff with the body. And so, yeah, I just encourage people to um, don't have fear. Don't have fear with your own body. Try something. And it doesn't have to be complicated at all. It doesn't have to be super, super complicated. Don't try to do it perfect like I did when I started. Just make some healthy changes that you already know. It's not rocket science. It's common sense stuff. And uh, you'll be surprised at what can happen. And fasting is just like the rocket ship to, to health. And uh, don't, there are people, I think there was one in our Facebook group that wanted to go from zero to hero with extended fasting. He wanted, you know, never done one before and wanted to do like a 21 day fast. It's crazy. Don't do that. Start really small, you know, especially if you've never skipped the meal like I hadn't. I did several one day fasts before I even tried a two day, but then a three day and then a four day and then a seven day. And then learn from my lessons with electrolytes, find a solution to that. Um, you, you, that's whether you're diabetic or not, that's going to be something that you have to be cognizant of as far as extended fasting and then ex intermittent fasting, which, which you're, you're better on than I am. I think maybe it is a perfect medium and people have healed from type two diabetes. As you know, with that people have healed from many different things, lost all kinds of weight, gotten so much healthier, gained so much more energy. 
Um, I, I'm as for me and my future with fasting, I'm very interested in becoming an O matter, one meal a day. Um, I think that would be, you know, that way you're not uh, living in America and surrounded by food all the time. You can still eat because that temptation is is tough. <laughs> it is yeah. tough, and but it still gives you amazing fasting benefits. So. Yeah, that's what that's what I do now. But um, well, I really thank you for for joining me on the podcast, and I love your message. And I think in your Facebook group, everybody should go look for it. It's fasting with type one diabetes, and I like your Facebook group because it has all different spectrum of people doing fasting with diabetes, and you can definitely find support there. Admin's not going to shut you down for asking a question about your insulin. So <laughs> that's right, <laughs> right, Brett. <laughs> so thanks again, Brett. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.